Okay, so I decided that this first one is just going to be just an informal chat. My first video is just going to be kind of about me, um, my life, why I'm doing this, uh, what's going on currently, what's happened in the past, what I hope for in the future, and then we'll talk about how trauma affects you. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any medical qualifications. I'm not a therapist, though that is the goal. I'm just simply somebody that understands horrific suffering. And for those that have been through similar and don't want to talk about it, but want to know somebody's there, you know, um, I've realised that if I'm really going to help people. I need to be honest about my life, about my suffering. You know, it's um, I tell everybody they're not alone. Though sometimes I don't, I don't take that into consideration myself. Um, so I'm doing this to change that. Hopefully, make a change. So my name's Aaliyah, or Leah for short. I'm 26 was born in England, uh, the West Midlands to be more, uh, to be precise. I will stutter and, um, you know, do this a lot. <laughs> I'm a very awkward, anxious person. I'm very, it's, it's strange. Half of me, anybody that knows me in real life knows that I'm a character. <laughs> Half of me is so outgoing and vibrant and happy-go-lucky and confident and then the other half doesn't leave the house doesn't really talk to anybody but a partner um you know can go days without really talking to anybody about the people in the house <laughs> and just not and close myself off dissociate I, I take myself away um so I deal with having both of those sides um and that comes with a very hectic dramatic life that i have led um so i'll start from present uh it is currently the 10th of may 2022 and i suffer with complex post-traumatic stress disorder yeah it's a big mouthful a big old mouthful. Um, I've recently been diagnosed with this um, after not being able to function properly like an adult uh, for the last few years. So from about 2018, it's 2017. It's been quite a quite a ride. My life has been a ride, but it's definitely been the worst five years of my life um so through, from 2017 i was really poorly with my appendix i was poorly for about two months before something was done about it i kept going in with the worst stomach pain in like uh middle of my abdomen and on, on my right hand side it was radiating to my back um I was fed enough. 
I was passing out, which was not like me. I hated taking paracetamol, let alone anything like that. So I just kind of got on with it. So I knew I was, something was wrong, I was poorly. Um, and I had been rushed to the hospital, uh, Tewsbury Hospital, several times. Um, over the space of about four weeks, I was in and out of hospital at least twice a week. And nobody could understand what was going on. Nobody knew. Um, lots of things that they thought it was and it wasn't. It then turned out that it was my appendix. So one night, um, I ended up getting rushed in with, I still remember it now, it was a very traumatic experience, um, with the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, I thought I was dying, um, I was, <laughs> I laugh, but I, you'll find I laugh a lot through this kind of stuff, because that's just, that's how I, that's how I get through it, you have to laugh. Um, I've done the tears over it, so now I laugh. Um, so yeah, I, I was not in a good way, not in a good shape. They rushed me to hospital, informed me that I immediately needed to be put under and into surgery because my appendix had ruptured. Um, and it was seeping everywhere. It was not good, not good. So I did, had to go under, and then the next thing, I knew it was hours and hours and hours and hours later. Um, and I woke up in a recovery room, having no idea. I was so scared when I woke up because obviously I'd been put under um, and I didn't actually remember what I'd gone in for. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I was scared to say the least. But because anybody that's ever had, you know, surgery where they've been put to sleep will know that when you come round, you have a bat, like a bout of amnesia. So then I'd fall back asleep, wake up, panic again, fall back asleep, did that until it worn off. Um, and then I was in hospital for three weeks afterwards. Um, I had to have a catheter. I had to have a, a physiotherapist teach me how to get up you know, out of bed and walk again. Um, it was horrific. I, you know, um, previous, same year and previous year, I was in, I was in quite a, um, quite a traumatic spell where I was self-sabotaging. So I was like drinking a lot and taking drugs and, you know, speed and a little bit of coke. Uh, I was 21 at the time, 20 at the time, um, so yeah, I was just in a wild phase, realising that, you know, some traumatic, previous traumatic things had happened and this was me acting out about them, so I ended up taking a lot of drugs, drinking a lot, partying for weeks at a time, um, not good and it just kind of yeah it wasn't good I ended up in hospital a few times with kidney problems because of fucking Steve didn't agree with my body don't do drugs kids it's not wise um, 
you know, I got a state that when we were kids, it was taught to Frank. I don't know if that's still a thing, but talk to Leah. She says don't do it. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth the body either. Not worth what it does to your body. Um, so I, yeah, I just had a really bad year with my health. Ended up nearly dying in my appendix. Ended up in the hospital for weeks afterwards. Um, and I lost so much weight. I was quite a big girl beforehand. I was like 18 stone. Um, so I was quite big, you know. I had a really unhealthy relationship with food, chocolate too. To be honest with you, I absolutely loved and still love chocolate. That's a weakness of mine. We all have our vices. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it was just not good. It was not good at all. I was not in a good relationship with my family. Didn't have great mental health, though didn't want to admit it to myself. Didn't actually know... You know, I was heavily depressed at the time. Um, had no idea, none, up until a couple of years ago. So that was 2017. I then moved to uh, Warrington in the northwest in Cheshire in 2018 to be with good mates, good, good mates that I'd met a uh, couple of years prior. Um, ended up moving in with one of my best mates and it was crazy you know the, the drugs didn't stop it, they just got worse <coughs> excuse me they just got worse um, I ended up just having so much sap so much drugs just all of the destructive behaviours that you could think of was happening however at the time I just thought this is me this is just a part of my personality uh, you know I always in my head in the back of my head was that voice of you're a fuck up you've come from fuck ups this is who you're supposed to be so play the role you know this is you um I've tried the straight laced that didn't work either and I was just really really lost um i lost my mum as a child and that i i didn't really give that any thought up until i was in my teens and that's when it kind of started to you know it started to hit me that i'd lost my mum and the life that i'd had with my mum, you know, it was traumatic and horrific and, you know, she, I'm an adult now to know that your parents are people and they are just doing the best that they can, so that doesn't, you know, that doesn't excuse them from neglect, abuse, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're from the generation that I am, um, our parents and parents before them came from the, oh, my parents did it to me, so I'm going to carry that on. That's called generational trauma. We'll get into that later. Um, 
that's a big thing, a big theme in my birth family, unfortunately, as in a lot of families I'm coming to realise. Um, my mum came from a really traumatic upbringing. Unfortunately, she was made a mother at 13, her first child. So that will mess with anybody's head. Can you imagine being a mum at 14? Not only are you a mum at 14, but you've had your child through trigger warning. Um, you know, my oldest brother was born as a result of a rape. Um, my granddad's friend had raped my mum. Um, she felt fallen pregnant. This was 60s, 70s. Um, yeah, early 70s. So that just created a whole cycle of trauma for my mum, my brother, you know, she was a child, having a child. Nowadays we'd look at that and stuff would be going on, we'd be saying, you know, someone needs to be held accountable, parents need to be held accountable, how is this come on, you know, that man needs to be held accountable. However, at the time and where they were from, which was uh, between Yorkshire and Hall, East Riven, um, where they were living, and it wasn't, at the time, you know, health and safety didn't really exist, and the safety of, of children didn't, wasn't thought of, it wasn't a priority, and I say this after many years of being angry at how my mum treated me and my siblings, and you know, what happened, and the people that she had around us. I now realise that she was a child in an adult's body that was still very traumatised. She was just trying to survive. Um, and unfortunately, when you live your life in survival, you don't tend to live too long. And that's what happened. But... Because of her death, I, I didn't really process, I didn't process that. I didn't, you know, think about that until I was in my teens. However, it was still a big current theme. You can see that now I look back and I see that in my behaviour as a child. You know, I was exposed to porn exceptionally young. Really, 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 really young. So that has a massive impact on people, on their psyche, on their... On their perspective of sex relationships you know your your parents how your parents deal with life and how you what you see is what you do as children we are sponges and I was a massive sponge you know I took everything and everything and so much so that I would then go and relay the things that I'd seen heard and you know been involved in to my foster mum and I think at the time she was just like oh no you know we don't we don't talk about that stuff no 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 because again it's that to be proper isn't it you know we don't like to talk about stuff that's not ideal um but as a child you know if a child is coming to you and saying these crazy things should look into them 
because kids are sponges. They see what they say. They say what they say. They say what they hear. You know, they show what they've been shown. Um, and that was a big theme, big common theme. You know, I knew that I didn't come from the best family. I knew that my siblings were like most people. You know, I was brought up in a middle class family and my family, my birth family were not middle class. You know, we were poor. We were exceptionally poor. Um, you know, when we'd have non-school uniform days, I couldn't afford to do that. We couldn't afford to do that, even though it was like 50p or a pound. My mum couldn't afford that. So I'd just, I'd go, I'd go in like, I'd either just go in my uniform or just like a top. I have a memory of like just going in like a school trousers and like um, a pink tank top. And just the humiliation to know that, you know, we were so, we were so broke. We were just so, so poor, way beyond, way below, you know, the poverty line. And this was early 2000s. This is not like the poverty line of now. This was 18 plus years ago, you know, it was a different time. We were, we didn't have a toaster, so we had like this little gas fire thing that you turn on and we would like this gas uh, heater thing and we would stick you know slices of bread in between there to toast it because we didn't have a toaster um, so yeah that's that's kind of where I came from that's that's how I was born you know that was not long after my mum had lost her first daughter of mm, from what I'm led to believe from people that knew her and knew was there around the time you know my mum wasn't the same she was I'm led to believe I'm quite similar to her you know large mouth always kind of the vibe of the party that kind of thing um, and then when she lost my older sister she just she just wasn't the same as nobody would you know that's after trauma and you know this is already after having all of your children all of the children and the relationships she was in weren't good and I'm hearing about that and you know I probably saw stuff that I shouldn't have seen and that leaked into me as it does with kids like I said sponges um And yeah, just even though I grew up in a different family, I still had those urges. I still, I was still a very sexualized child. You know, I'm, I'm sure, I'm like ninety nine percent sure I suffered sexual abuse as a child. Um, I remember going to the hospital about it, um, and it, you know, I'm pretty sure my mind has just tried to protect me from that kind of stuff uh, because it was such a long time ago when other trauma has happened and it's you know your brain can only deal with so much um, but I was a very sexualized child you know I, 
always caught always caught watching porn as a kid because I just didn't understand sex. I um I remember before my mum passed putting on if anybody rem remembers the Martin Lawrence film Blue Streak. I remember putting on the video this was back when videos were a thing you know there were no dvds just big big thick ass videos <laughs> and i remember putting it in and thinking it was blue streak but it wasn't it was someone had taped over it and it was interracial porn and you know it was it was just this big black dick um on the on the tv and i was just like as a kid I didn't understand at all, at all, because why would you, why would you, I didn't understand, but it stuck in my mind, and then from, as I grew up then, I, I you know, I lived in a house with just me, my mum, and my, and one of my brothers, because the rest of them lived with their dad, um, I had a different dad, I'm led to believe, but I'm also led to believe that I might not have, but as my mum's passed, no one really knows, um, it's all very complicated, <laughs> as you've come to discover about my life. Um, yeah, when I was growing up, obviously my brother, he was a teenager, he always used to have nuts mags about, or, you know, just porn mags, you know, nude mags about, always used to look at them always used to sneak a peek and always been curious I've always been a curious George <laughs> always been very curious and um, so I'd always have a look at them so then when my mum passed and um, I came to live with another partner I kind of still carried that on however they were mortified because why was this child looking at porn um, and I didn't understand, so I got punished a lot for it, which, you know, if you don't understand, then you see it as a bad thing, you are going to punish. Uh, but it also wasn't the right way to go about it, because it should have been a conversation or a trip to a therapist to be like, okay, this eight-year-old, nine-year-old child is watching porn, why is this? She can barely spell, but she knows how to look for porn. Why is this? What's going on? Um, and there was none of that. Uh, when my mum died, I had some bereavement counselling. But it was just this weird woman with puppets on her hands, and it scared the shit out of me. I won't lie to you. <laughs> it was not for me. I was like, no, that's not, that's weird. <laughs> I knew I didn't like that. I didn't I didn't understand what was going on, but I knew I didn't like that at all. <laughs> so parents, don't use the puppets. You know, use teddies and talk, but the puppets and the weird people, it might work for some kids, but it does not work for me. Um, so then I just never tried therapy again until I was obviously an adult. Um, but I still had these really sexual urges, these really strong sexual urges all throughout my life. Um, you know, I'd always wait to, <laughs> I'd always wait as I became like a teen, I'd wait till coming up to midnight, if anybody remembers the uh, Television X 
previews they do <laughs> on TV were for like 10 minutes and couldn't actually see any nudity, but you, you kind of got the implication, you know. As a kid, your imagination is strong, you can kind of imagine. Um, and I was watching, you know, the previews on Television X or watching the girls on Babe Station and... I desperately wanted to be on Babe Station, and we'll talk a bit more about that later, because <laughs> I did manage to do it. <laughs> but that that will be a a few episodes down. Um, I know this is. Let me just pause while we're talking about all this crazy stuff. Let you digest. <laughs> Take a breath. It's a lot. And it's often tangents, and I don't care to ever make any sense. But you know, this is if this resonates with somebody, that's good. But this is more like a vocal journal for me. <laughs> you know, if people hear and relate, that's good. Um, you know, everyone deserves to be heard and understood. And I wasn't for most of my life and it was really 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 tough to to deal with and that came out in a lot of weird and self-destructive behaviors um like i lost my virginity i remember a couple of months before my 16th birthday and i was like the last virgin of my friends in secondary school which is hard to believe considering that whole shebang I just told you, but it's true. I um, always thought about it and always wanted to talk about it, but I never actually did it. And was, you know, kind of scared to actually do it. Didn't know what to actually do. Um, so when I actually when it came round to it, and you know, we'll change names. <laughs> we'll change names about experiences. Um, let's call him Dave. <laughs> we'll call him Dave. So I met Dave when we were younger, we were kids, we were teens, and uh, he lived in a different, slightly different place to me, but he was always in kind of my area. His, uh, I think, his mum lived in like the next town over or the town over that and his dad lived kind of close to where we were living um so we hung out you know we'd meet up we'd just chill we got on really well we'd have a laugh um and then yeah i ended up losing my virginity to him and it was it was okay it was it was enjoyable like I, it was never not enjoyable um, it was enjoyable, but it opened the floodgates. Oh God! Oh my God! It opened the floodgates. I was so kind of like desperate to fit in at school and not be a nerd anymore. <laughs> and, you know, all my all my friends and everybody had kind of like lost their virginity or at least done stuff with people. Um, and I hadn't, and it was just that that peer pressure of I've got to fit in. It's that FOMO, that fear of missing out. And I just, yeah, 
I don't regret it happening, but I regret the events. Not regret. Uh, regret's a strong word. I wish I had just taken a break afterwards and just gone, hold on, hold on a minute. Let's gather our thoughts, you know. Um, so my, my foster mum, I think she was so scared that I was going to end up having a baby and you know get pregnant really young and all that kind of stuff um so when i was like 15 she marched me to go and get the implant one day after she picked me up from school we were on our way home and um she was like everything was normal she just turned around we were nearly home she turned around she was like right if the doctors ask, you know about this, you've asked for this, you want this. And I was confused. I was like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And we, get, we went, and it turns out that she had booked me in to get the implant. So when we were growing up, there were, you know, a, bit, a few more contraception, contraceptives. So there was the pill, the uh, IUD which I'm sure is the implant. Um, it also, you, there's the coil as well. Um, but obviously, as a kid, you can't have that kind of stuff, but you can have the implant. So my mum decided that the best thing to stop me from getting her baby, but she couldn't stop me from having sex, even though I hadn't had sex at that time. I hadn't actually lost my virginity or done anything yet at that time. She just caught me kind of sexting with a few guys, which... Um, much to her disgust, I don't think she'd actually realise that everybody in school was doing it, uh, which I don't know if that says more about me or our generation, um, everybody in school was, was kind of doing it, you know, sharing with friends or helping each other, it was weird, we had a weird old school, our hometown was a, was a very weird place. A very weird place. Um, but, yeah, so I ended up getting the implant. Um, it, yeah, I didn't actually have a say in that. It ruined my body. It didn't ruin my body, but it just threw my body out of whack. My hormones, I, like, I was not ready for it. I was not ready for it. So I ended up having it out at 19. Um, yeah, I think I might have been 15 or 16 when I had it. And I had it out at like 18, 19. Three years, I think, I meant to have it in. So, yeah, I think it might have been 18 or 19 that I had it out. And I couldn't wait because it just made me put on loads of weight. It just made me a horrible person. As well as going through trauma, I just became such a hormonal, horrible person. Uh, like, in my later teens. But, um, so, yeah, I got the implant. So, I ended up, thought, I thought, well... That's fine, man. If I can't get pregnant now, because I've got this in, and she's lost all hope in me, I might as well go and, you know, I might as well play the role. If that's a role that's set out for me, I might as well go and play the role. So I did. And by the time that I got to 18 years old, I'd slept with, like, between 200 and 300 people. I'd gone crazy. I'd absolutely gone mad. Mad. The more, the higher side came again later in the teens. 
Um, but by the time that I was like 16, 17, I'd sat with like 20, 30 people. Um, as soon as I turned 18, I befriended another lady who was in her late 40s, early 50s at the time. I was 18. I was working at chocolate, a fancy ass chocolate shop, thinking I was an adult. Um, and I started, um, yeah, just becoming really good friends with her. We became really close. You know, I'm beginning to realise she also was an adult child. You know, because what does a 50-year-old want to do with an 18-year-old that's quite clearly mentally a little bit younger? I thought I was older, but I wasn't. I was, and I thought I was so mature. And you know what? Part of me, for my age, was because I had to grow up young. So there was that kind of mature uh, maturity, but that also vast immaturity. You know, I didn't know a fucking thing. But she got me onto this, um, this swingers website called Fab Swingers, and. I started on that when I was 18. She set me up a profile. I'd kind of established by that age that I was no longer interested in people my own age, that I was only really interested in people that were older because I thought I was mature. Um, so she ended up getting me on there. I ended up meeting Alban then. And from there, I really didn't look back. But we'll come back to that. We will come back to that part because that's a big, that's a big segment of my life. Um, you know, I was then swinging from 18 to 23. So a long time. Uh, yeah, 22, 23. So a long time for that age. You know, my pivotal years my prime pivotal years of late teens early 20s was spent having some of the most incredible experiences and some of the most terrible experiences um but for today that's where i'm gonna leave it at you know it's been really quite uh quite lovely to get some stuff off my chest and it will make more sense as it goes on but I appreciate to anybody that is listening um I really 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 appreciate you just listening and being here and you know I hope that someone out there identifies this I'm past the point of caring about being judged by others about the way I've lived my life or what I've done, what's happened, etc. etc. I'm just here to heal myself and share any wisdom that I may have learned in the 26 years of being. Episodes will be longer, but this is just the first one. So thank you so much. If you've enjoyed this episode, please, you know. Leave a, leave a little review or a rating on Spotify, Apple or wherever you listen to this. You know, I'm, I'm on Twitter as, um, I'm pretty sure it's uh, Ali the Empath or your friendly neighbourhood empath, Ali. Um, I don't really 
did on her social media. So, yeah, you'll just have to listen to me on here. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Have a great week. And, you know, be kind to yourself. Always be kind to yourself. Thank you.